This week's message, given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Sakasana United Methodist Church, February 20th, 2022. The message is, Working Smarter, The Pursuit of Meaning Through Work, based on Ecclesiastes 4, 4-8, and 5, 18-20. Good to be with you this morning. Would you join me as I pray? Oh God, we come before you in the busy places, in the quiet places. We come before you because all that we are, all that we have is a gift from you. The gift of this moment, the gift of this opportunity to worship you with our church family. It's your true gift, O oh God. We thank you for that. As we listen to your word, we invite the Holy Spirit to come. Open our hearts and minds to your word. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> so how many of you uh, resonated with this guy? Worshipping work? <clears throat> Excuse me. Worshipping work. It was a question posed at the end of this smart illustration. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4, the Kohelet, the narrator of Ecclesiastes, is telling us a similar story about a man worshipping work. He was completely alone with no children, no family, no friends. He was working obsessively late into the night, wanting more and more, and yet he would never bother to ask himself, why am I working so hard like an animal? Why, why am I not having any fun and enjoyment? In our culture, this man would be considered a walkaholic. Like men in this comic cartoon, let's turn it on. Yes. Like men in this comic cartoons, you know, walkaholic cannot stop working to relax for a second. They can. They cannot get away from their work, even on their vacation, because they feel pressured and compelled to work. They keep thinking about their work when not working because of internal pressure and anxiety. It's considered a form of addiction, and it's often approved and even praised as a responsible work ethic in some workplaces. You know, being a hard-working person and workaholic look very much alike, but they are very different by nature. According to the psychologist, the main difference is about how the person feels on the inside. A hard worker works in a healthy and balanced way, feels inspired and fulfilled as they work hard and put hours and hours 
You know when to stop, when to take time to switch off and relax. You would play just as, just as hard as you work. Whatever there may be, you would spend time enjoying time off, enjoying things other than your work. On the other hand, workaholic works hard in unhealthy, unbalanced ways. Since they overload their body with excessive work, it ruins their physical, mental health. It could ruin their relationship with friends and families, or even faith, because you put work above all. Your work is the highest priority in your life. You often let down your friends and family because you choose your work over them. Even after long and hard work, you feel like you've got to work more and more in order to be satisfied. You feel inadequate, unhappy on the inside. What's interesting about workaholism is that even though you spend hours and hours with your work, you don't really enjoy it. No matter how much effort you put into it, your work doesn't give you a sense of a satisfaction and enjoyment. The more you work, the more your life becomes miserable. Friends, whether you see yourself as a hard worker or a workaholic or someone on the other side of the spectrum, we're living in a world where who we are is defined by what we do. When you meet someone and introduce yourself, what's the next thing you say after saying your name? People often introduce themselves by saying, I'm a nurse, I'm a teacher, I'm an engineer, I'm a businessman. Our works makes a significant impact on who we are, our sense of identity and self-worth. Let me ask you a question. I really want you to be honest. How many of you wake up in the morning and pray, thank God for giving me this job. I just can't wait to go to work. How many of you? Wow, we've got three or four. That's amazing. Wow, be, you, you gotta be, uh, you be. You need to be, be grateful to the Lord. And please see me after the service because I want to develop a sermon series on faith and work. I would like to develop with you, okay? Please. But when it comes to waking up for work each day, you know what most people think is not, I cannot wait to go to work, but I cannot wait to go to sleep. You know, all you want is more sleep. It's not that you see your work as the vanity of vanities of futile or the total futility. But at some point, you seem to be losing the passion and love for your job, for your work. You know, you need it to support you and your family financially, right? Bring food on the table and, you know, pay the bills. For some of you, your work is not just a means to end, though. Your work gives you a sense of purpose, sense of service. Remember we talked about different bubbles in life along with pleasure, wisdom, and wealth. Work is one of the bubbles that Kohelet examines in his bubble-bursting project, so to speak. So what's the point of Kohelet? What's the point? What does he talk about work? What would be his advice for Modern workers like you and me. What about those of you who retired from your job already? 
No matter what your relationship with your work is now, friends, I hope and pray that through this message, God will speak to you and lead you to have the right, healthy relationship with your work. Again, what Kohala does in this book is to help us see work in light of the end. And given this reality of death, his advice would be work smart. Work smart. Have you heard the phrase, work smarter, not harder? Anybody? Yeah? You know, uh, working hard, working smart, not hard, is one of the catchy phrases for our age. Business leaders are aware that hard work doesn't necessarily lead to success and productivity. In this digital high technology world, the traditional definition of hard work can be even counterproductive. So they, what they say is that what's matter is not the amount of work you, you put, it, put in, but the way of doing it. This is what they mean by working smart. Working smart is about using the right tools, right resources, right ways of doing work so that your work speed and efficiency and productivity increase. Whatever your job is, you might develop your own way of working smart. And, you know, not just working hard. And I believe Kohelet wouldn't disagree with this concept of working smart, but it's not exactly what I mean by working smart. SMART here is an acronym which I hope can help you to remember this message. You know, it came, it popped up last night, so it's not on the slide. So I printed out here. SMART means seek meaning and recover togetherness. Let me, let me explain what I mean by this. If Kohalet is a photographer, what he does in this book is to bring God into the picture. You know, he brings God into all the gloomy, depressing scenes of hevel, which means the things that disappear quickly in our world. He brings our faith in God into our work, one of the bubbles, one of the hevels. And let's take a look at uh, chapter 5, as found in your bulletin, in your Bible. In verse 18, Kohelet says, It is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, to find satisfaction or enjoyment in their tailsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them. In verse 19, he goes on to say, The ability to be happy in their labor is a gift of God. It's a gift of God. To rejoice in your work is a divine gift. Because God is the creator, divine builder who loved working in the beginning of the world. Some Christians misunderstand work and labor as a divine curse. Something that originated from a fall. But what the first three chapters of Genesis clearly shows us is that in the beginning there was work. There was work. The whole universe came into existence through the work of the God, the Creator, the Divine Builder. The God of Scripture, God of Genesis, is the God who works for six days and rests 
on the seventh day, the Sabbath. It means work originated from God, and it is meant for good. It's not a burden, not a curse. Our work and the ability to enjoy working are given as a gift of God. So what does it really mean to accept your work as a gift of God? What difference do you think it would make the way you begin your work each day? If you truly accept your work as a gift of God. The American sociologist Robert Bella wrote a groundbreaking book entitled Habits of the Heart. And he describes three distinct orientations that people take with respect to their work. The first, first orientation is to see your work as a job. You know, a job is mainly concerned with the paycheck you receive to make ends meet. When you accept your work only as a job, what, give you, what gives you the greatest joy is a paycheck. The second orientation is to see your work as a career. Have you heard the phrase, quit your job, pursue a career that you love? Here, the main concern is pursuing a career that would lead you to climb the social ladder, which you see on the slide, you know, going up to the higher achievement, higher social status, success. And the way you feel towards your work is primarily based on how, you, how successful you are in it. However, if your career is waning for some reason, you may feel as if your entire self-worth is being crushed. The third orientation Bella talks about is seeing work as a calling. People, including Christians, tend to think of calling as a word referring to just you know, those who are called into ministry. According to Bella, calling is not an exclusive domain of religious workers. This sense of calling is firmly established in the life of faith. If you have received a call, then someone must have made that call in the first place, right? A call is made first, and we are there to answer it. In other words, your work becomes a response to the calling. So the worth of your work is not dependent on what you achieve or how much you earn. Rather, your faithfulness to the call that God has made. Sometimes that means that our failure in the words, I can be the greatest success in God's eyes. And we see those cases in the Bible including our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Friends, what is your primary orientation when it comes to work? Think about that. Which of the three orientations describes your current understanding of work? When we accept our work as a gift from God, we cannot treat our work merely as a job or career. We are also encouraged to see our work as a calling. I remember having conversation with some of our church members who work for a group of people, young or old, and take this opportunity to serve them with the love of God. Whether you're a teacher, first responder, or nurse, or volunteer, if you feel called to go the extra mile and serve others with the, with the, with the heart of Jesus Christ, 
then you are accepting your work as a calling. If you see your work as a calling, your work is not restrained by a job or career you have currently. Your work as a calling can continue even after you switch to another job or career. It can continue even after you retire. Like some of our church family who continue to serve in this church, as Jocelyn mentioned in Financial Ministry Moment. Whether you're serving as a leader of our church, a volunteer for our missions program, nonprofit organizations, your work can go on as long as God gives you life. Whether you work hard or smart, the reality is that your work may not always well rewarded or recognized. It might not always produce prosperity or success. But when you truly accept your work as a gift of God, friends, it is not just financial reward or economic status that gives meaning to your work. It is the God of eternity that gives meaning to your work, your daily work, and makes it a calling for God's kingdom. Secondly, smart, seek meaning, and secondly, recover togetherness. That's what Kohelet tried, uh, seeks to um, teach us here. The first scripture reading, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Kohala shares an interesting observation about work. Saying in verse 4, says, All the work, achievement, ambition are motivated by envy of another. When you become envious, it is because of some degree of satisfaction with yourself. In other words, envy occurs when you believe that having what another person have would increase your happiness. You have a you have decent car you purchased a, a, a few years ago. Let's say you find out that your brother-in-law or sister-in-law bought a, a luxurious SUV car. How do you feel? It makes you feel envious, right? And sometimes envy becomes a strong motivation to make people work harder. But it goes back to the question that the hard-working man in Ecclesiastes didn't bother to ask himself, why am I working so hard? Why am I trying to achieve such and such? Are they worth it? People tend to fill their thoughts and plans with themselves as they seek to navigate the world in a way that gives them meaning and purpose. What Kohala challenges us to do is to face our deep-seated self-centeredness and recover us as opposed to me. Recover togetherness as we pursue meaning through work. We didn't read the entire chapter 4 today, but after Kohelet talked about a man, the walkaholic man, he continues to say, it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there is no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other alone. You shiver all night. By yourself, you are unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. So in this passage, Kohalad assures us 
that if we can live in a way that the people beside us, the people that God has put in our path, our waking concern and focus, we will find gladness, satisfaction, and happiness. And the question becomes how we might help and serve others through our work and how we recover togetherness in our work, in our busy schedule. Friends, think about how much time you spend working last night, I mean last week, and how much time you spend having a joy, enjoyment with people around you. Who are the people that you have neglected and need to think more about? Whether it is due to your busyness or laziness. Whom do you need to recover togetherness with at this point of your life? Friends, work is a gift of God. You know it's possible to enjoy a gift apart from a giver. But when it comes to a gift of God, we cannot fully enjoy it apart from God. Work is a gift of God that can be fully enjoyed and celebrated with God. I'm going to talk more about this next Sunday, but um, the bony... Bronnie Ware, the Australian hospice nurse, wrote a book entitled The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And three of, of the, uh, two of the, um, the regrets that she addresses in this book has to do with work. You know, people say uh, regrets as they die. They start with the words, phrase, I wish. I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd said that. And one of them is, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I had let myself be happier. Those are the three regrets, most top, one of the top, uh, five of the, three of the five top regrets people say as they die. Friends, work becomes your response to God's calling when you accept it as a God's gift. It gives meaning and purpose to your work, no matter how demanding, no matter how tedious you may find yourself in. So work smart, as Kohelet teaches us in your work. Seek meaning and recover togetherness. Amen?